Have you ever done something and later realized you shouldn't have done it? So in an effort to justify yourself and hopefully save face, you say, sorry, that's not like me. A lot of times we can excuse our actions and see ourselves in a much better light than we actually are. That's why sometimes we have to just be honest with ourselves and say, no, that is you. Today, Staff Pastor Jordan Ducote is going to talk about fear in our series called, No, That Is You. So, No, That Is You. Now, that is a strange uh, topic, to, uh, title to a sermon, right? No, That Is You. So, I kind of want to set it up. Uh, we are very good at, 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 at seeing ourselves in a really good light. Am I right? We, we see each other. Uh, I think the reason is, is because we, we judge other people's, uh, people by their, their behavior. We judge ourselves by our intentions, you know, like what I'm thinking in my head. And so whenever something comes out wrong and it hurts somebody or it does damage, we, we, we end up saying, like, no, that's not me, man. It's, it's not a heart. It's not like me to do that. And, uh, and so this message series is all about being honest and saying to ourselves, no, that is you. That is you. You know, you, I am like this, I am like that. Because we gotta be honest with ourselves. We gotta be honest with ourselves where we're at in our relationship with God and our relationship with people. And if we can't be honest about that, then uh, the enemy will get us caught up in deception and lie to us. And we can live our whole life thinking that we are one way when actually we are completely the opposite. All right? So y'all with me? Did you bring your thinking cap today? Bring your, I'm gonna be really, I'm gonna be focused on myself and, and, uh, and honest with myself today, okay? So everybody put your defenses down and just kind of relax. It's gonna be good, it's gonna be good, but it is going to be, um, it's gonna be real, it's gonna be confrontational, okay? So, so today we are talking about fear, fear and anxiety, all right? Know that is you, you are fearful, you are anxious. And uh, how many of you know that in this day and age, it seems like fear is just rampant? Anxiousness, anxiety. We've got meds everywhere just to try to medicate this problem. And we, we try to think positive, think positive, right? I just ran into that on Facebook last night. And it was a really cool video. But it was think positive, think positive. And I was like, I mean, yeah, we should be positive. But I think it's more than just that than tricking ourselves into, right, like, like thinking better about things. But, but this, this thing of fearfulness and anxiousness, uh, the thing about it is, is that we don't have to be taught to be fearful. I don't, know, I don't know that anybody ever sat down and said, hey, let me teach you how to be fearful today, okay? I think what it is is one day we just wake up as kids and all of a sudden we're fearful. It's like, <laughs> you know, the, the, the lights go off and all of a sudden, guess what? I'm scared of the dark. We do all sorts of things. We've got nightlights. Ariana, she's my, my four-year-old. She's got, she's got a, an Elsa and Anna nightlight that shines on the roof. And so Elsa and Anna are with her. It's kind of weird, I know, but it's, it's what we do, you know? It'd be really strange if you walked into my room and that's what I had up there. I guess it's, I guess it's okay for a four-year-old. But anyway, uh, it's just all of a sudden one day, it's just, there's this hesitancy. There's this fear. And uh, I want to define fear and anxiety because there actually is a difference. Fear is a feeling of doom, unease, or apprehensiveness in response to imminent danger, while anxiety is a feeling of doom, unease, or apprehensiveness when no danger is immediately present. So fear is like there's a bear in front of me about to attack me and I'm fearful of that, and anxiety is like there might possibly 
in some way, shape, or form, be a bear somewhere that might possibly somehow attack me, and that makes me scared. So, all right, fear is like I see something that's right in front of me, and that makes me afraid. Anxiety is just, sometimes it's just a figment of our imagination, and it's not even real. But the thing about fear and anxiety is that it is a very powerful tool, manipulative tool, in the hand of our enemy, Satan. A very powerful, effective tool. Very effective. Fear. So I started thinking about fear, and I was like, man, what, a, you know, what kind of things do people fear? What kind of phobias are, are out there? And do you know that there is a lot of phobias? Wow. <laughs> I just happened to bring some for you. Here's some phobias. Check this out. I'm going to say these all wrong, so don't even try to follow me. Anuptophobia is a fear of staying single. Where are my single people at? Yeah, y'all are like, I know exactly what that is. I don't know how to say it, but yeah, I feel it every day. Man, anuptophobia. Acrophobia, and a lot of you got this. It's a fear of heights. How many of you got fear of heights? Just out of curiosity. A pretty good amount. How many of you got a fear of public speaking? A lot, yeah. That's like the number one fear out there. You don't know this, but I have that same exact fear right now. <laughs> Motor phobia is a fear of automobiles. I hope you don't live in a big city. That's bad. Really, really bad. Ergophobia. And this sounds like something that, um, I don't know, possibly is rampant in our nation. It's a fear of work. I don't know. Just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Is that, there is some honesty today. I have that. I don't like to work. Stasophobia, I don't know. It's a fear of standing or walking. That's a rough life right there, you know? You just like sit everywhere you go and just kind of scoot. I don't know. I don't know, but this one just kind of sums up a lot of them. Polyphobia, it's just a fear of a lot of, a lot of stuff. Just, I'm a polyphobia person. How, do, how would you say that? Polyphobic, there it is. I'm scared of a lot of things. Then there's this one, it's microphobia. It's fear of small things. Some of you are struggling right now because you see a small guy up on the stage right now and it's kind of making you feel, you know. It's feeling a little uncomfortable right now. And uh, if you've got this next one, you're probably just going to run out the room in about 10 minutes. It's homophobia. That is a fear of sermons. There's a small guy preaching a sermon. That is, this is a bad day. It's a bad day for you. So we've got all these phobias, man. And, and, and this is what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to say, I, I wanted to explain to you what actually happens whenever we fear, feel fear or anxiety. And uh, you know what it is, is our amygdala, part of our brain, actually signals our adrenal glands, all right? And all of a sudden our adrenal glands start pumping out adrenaline, and guess what happens? Our, our muscles are oxygenated, and we're ready like to hurt somebody. You know, and this is called you know, fight or flight. All right, now this is really good if you're in a bad situation. Danger's right there, man, bam, you're ready to go. Uh, it is not good for everyday life. Actually, it's, it's horrible for everyday life. It actually will cause you physical problems, all sorts of things. It causes panic attacks, clinical depression, substance abuse, weakened immune system, respiratory, digestive, and cardiovascular problems. Your whole entire body, fear and anxiety, when not dealt with, will mess you up. 
physically, haven't got to the spiritual part, uh, part yet. Physically, your body begins to break down. You know, we talk about that with bitterness and things, about how bitterness will just eat you up. And physically, I mean, it affects your appearance. You know, there is this connection between our spirit man and our physical man that cannot be broken. And so just to say, yeah, I'm just a little bit fearful. I'm known to be anxious at times. That's just, that's just me. Just to accept that is, is just like accepting poison into your life and being okay with it. And we shouldn't be okay with it. We shouldn't be okay with it. A, press, a professor from UCLA wrote this. Check this out. Our wor- world is in the midst of an emotional meltdown. As a psychiatrist, I've seen that many people are addicted to the adrenaline rush of anxiety known as the fight or flight response and don't know how to diffuse it. An example of this is obsessively watching the news about natural disasters, trauma, economic stress, and violence, then not being able to turn the bad news off. Also, people are prone to techno despair, a term I coined in my book. It is a state, check this out, of high anxiety that results from information overload and internet addiction. We've been talking for a while uh, uh, as a staff and stuff about just where we're at as a culture. And uh, we said this a couple of years ago that people are addicted to drama in their own life. We call them dramatics, drama addicts, okay? And, it, and there's like this thing where if everything's smooth and calm and okay, we feel like we have to create something so it doesn't feel so calm because we're addicted to this fight or flight thing inside of us physically. We get used to it, and so then we end up in this place where without it, we feel empty. We feel like there's a void because we've always got to be fighting something, right? I know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh, that's me all the time. So I want to ask ourselves some questions. These questions to see, to see if you're addicted to anxiety and fear. Check this out. Ask yourself these things. Do I worry about many things every day? Do I worry about a lot of stuff every day? Do I make problems larger, not smaller? Something small, and I just keep talking about it, keep talking about it, and it ends up becoming this gigantic thing, ruins the whole day. Do I do that a lot? Do I worry about things that no one else around me worries about? You got a buddy, and something happens, and he's like, yeah, uh-huh. oh, well. And then you're like, but no, it's, the, it's a big deal. You don't realize. Like, this is it. This is the big one. You know, it's like, I mean, it is, it's kind of a big deal, man, but are you that person? And then this one right here, when one anxiety is solved, do I immediately focus on another? It's like, I've worried, I've talked, I've gone through, you know, all these, these uh, problem-solving things, and I've got to this place where I feel like we, it's, it's a solution, we found it. But what else? What's next? What can I worry about? What can I fight about? What can I argue? What can I bring up and just, you know? Anybody connecting with that right now? No? All of a sudden, the honesty stopped. Yeah, Yeah, phobias. No, I don't do this. No. I know that I've done a lot of these and still do internally sometimes. I love Jesus' perspective on anxiety, Matthew 6, 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Ask, ask yourself that question. All this worry, all this doubt, all this stuff, is it really actually going to do anything for me in the long run? 
Is it going to prolong my life? Is it going to make my life better? Is it going to make my eternity better? Or is it just foolishness? Is it just uh, 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 this, this treadmill of life that we're on with no real result? I saw this commercial for this, uh, I don't know if it's Nordic track, I don't know what it was, it was some treadmill. And uh, they had this person in the house and giant windows and overlooking this awesome mountainscape, which of course none of us have around here. But, and this lady's like running on this treadmill and it's so cool and they, they had like this little bitty screen right there, you know, and, and it's like, you're running on a mountain or you're running in the Amazon, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, you could see stuff on the screen, but she's like all smiling and stuff, but she's running, but she's not getting anywhere. It's not, it's not actually going anywhere. And I think anxiety is sometimes like that treadmill where it's like, we feel like we're accomplishing a lot in life by thinking a whole lot and, and analyzing everything. But it's, it's like we're running on this treadmill, looking at the screen, feeling like we're doing something, but we're not getting anywhere. We haven't even left the house yet. You know what I'm saying? We're sweating. We're like, <gasps> I haven't even done anything. Fear, man. Fear. Anxiety. Now, I want to throw out a statement that's going to be a little bit controversial feeling. I know it was for me whenever I first said it to myself, <laughs> honestly. And, uh, but, but we're going to talk through this. Fear and anxiety are actually sinful. Fear and anxiety are sinful. Okay, that, now we need to be honest. It's not just a small problem. It's not just a little bit of a character flaw. It's, it, it's actually sinful. And I want to be very sensitive with that because I know that whenever you think of maybe what's the root cause of fear in your life or anxiety in your life, you might be able to trace it back to a very bad experience. I mean, it might be something that's legitimate. And I don't want to, you know, reduce that down and make you feel like judged or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Just because you're going through that, that fear and anxiety. Uh, it, might be a, it might be a chemical imbalance, just a physical problem that you have that creates these, these tendencies in your life. And so there's always going to be different ways that these things happen in our life. But it doesn't change the fact that we can still be honest about them. We don't have to be mean about them, but we can be honest about them. Like, man, no, this is something in my life that, that is sinful. And so we're going to talk about why. You know, so with all of this said, let's kind of get into the actual meat of the message. And this is what we're going to do today. I want to talk and discuss about three questions about fear. All right. Number one, what actually is fear and, and how is it sinful? Because that's a big statement. I don't know about you guys, but whenever I was first reading and studying, I was like, sinful? That just seems like such a, such a serious word to use whenever we're talking about something that sometimes is, is just put on us from, from you know, something that's outside of ourself. Let's read the Bible, shall we? Revelation 21.8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters, let me turn the page, our liars, they shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. It's kind of weird to me that, that fearful is right there next to murderer and unbeliever. Why? Because fear is actually a lack of faith in God. And, 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 and God really doesn't take lightly to lack of faith in him. It's a big deal. So that's really what fear is, lack of faith in God. 
James Burton Kaufman, a, a guy wrote a commentary, and he said this about this scripture. He said, it's not of natural fear and timidity that John speaks. John wrote the book of Revelation, in case you didn't know. Uh, it is that cowardice which is in the last resort, which in the last resort chooses self and safety before Christ. So this fear, it, it, the core problem of it is at the end, it can cause us to reject God in favor of self. The self-preservation thing of, oh, I feel fear, and so now I'm just going to shut everybody else, including God. So it's this lack of faith in him. It's kind of like, if I, don't, if I don't think God has it, I'll, I'll do it in my own strength, right? Like, I'll, I'll take care of this thing. But the thing about fearful in that verse is it's the same word that is used in Mark 440. Now, what's going on is the disciples are with Jesus, and they're in a boat, and there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, there's a storm going on, so the boat's rocking, and... and the disciples start freaking out. They start going nuts, and Jesus is sleeping. Don't know if any of you have ever been in a boat where there was a lot of wind and rain and it was a torrential storm. I know I have not, but I've seen a lot of movies. So therefore, I know that it's loud and, and scary, and most guys are throwing up everywhere because they're seasick, right? But uh, Jesus is sleeping through that. They're freaking out. And then Jesus gets up, and I think it's very interesting what he said. Verse 40, then he asked them, why are you afraid or why are you fearful? Another version. Do you still have no faith? Jesus' reaction when he stands up from the boat is not to like, okay, guys, let's do this. All right, let's, let's go ahead and tie this down over here and you know, start being a really good leader. He looks at him and he says, why are you guys so afraid? And for them, they're kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that we would have been pretty sarcastic with Jesus sometimes. Like, I mean, I don't know why, Jesus. <laughs> you know? He's like, why are you guys so afraid? Why don't you guys have any faith still? How long have we been doing this thing? How much stuff have you seen that I can do? How much love I have for you? I'm in the boat with you. And yet you still think that I'm going to, what, that we're going we're gonna to wreck and we're going to die? I mean, guys, where's your faith at? That was the number one thing that he said to them. That was the biggest problem that he felt they had was that they lacked faith. And all throughout scripture, guess what? They're praying for something to happen. What does he say? Man, you don't have much faith, do you? Not much faith. Not much trust. It's a problem, guys. Second question, why is fear a big deal? Why is fear such a big deal? Well, I've got a few reasons. One is that fear can keep you from pleasing God. Fear is a lack of faith, and fear can keep you from pleasing God. Where do I get that from? Hebrews 11:6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You cannot please God in your effort. God sees faith. Faith is like his currency, man. And he sees, he sees that faith and he sees that trust and he acts on that. Fear is the currency of, 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 of Satan. Faith is the currency of God. Fear is how the devil manipulates us and God is how, faith is how God meets our needs in every area. This isn't just a prosperity message thing, okay? I know a lot of times we get caught up in that. 
I got faith, so therefore I can get what I want. Totally missing it. Totally missing it. It's not about, it's not about that. But fear can keep us from pleasing God. Now, we can learn something from the children of Israel. Actually, we're going to learn two things quickly from the children of Israel and their lack of faith and why it's a big deal. Number two is that fear is contagious and also that fear can keep you from fulfilling your purpose. See, what happens is uh, the children of Israel get delivered out of Egypt. God did crazy things. I know you've all seen, uh, you know, Charlton Heston and, and, and his great and mighty acts there on TBS. And so he did these great things, right? And I mean, God moved mountains, right? He, I mean, he opened up the sea. He did all these crazy things. And the children of Israel saw all of this, okay? They, they were there when it happened, and they were rejoicing and full of faith and excitement. And they, they go and they go and they, they keep, you know, taking land, and they get to this place called the Promised Land, the land of Canaan, which is where God was bringing them to the whole time. And uh, they send spies into the land, and uh, when they come out, 10 of the spies are like, there's no way we could do it. There's, I mean, there's no way. Joshua and Caleb, uh, they're like, we can, we can. Don't you guys remember? just like literally two months ago, what God was doing. And, and they're like, no, we don't care about that. We see a mountain that can't be moved. And so therefore, we don't want to do it. And, and what happened is that fear that those, that those spies had, it didn't just stay with those guys. It spread to the whole camp. And so what ends up happening is that God gets angry about it. And then all of a sudden, when God gets angry, the children of Israel are like, oh, OK, we see that you're serious. We'll go and do it. And God's like, no, you're not going to do it. God had this. This, this rhythm, this pattern, and he, was, he felt that there was a lack of faith. And, and so guess what the children of Israel ended up having to do? They had to walk around for 40 years, and the whole generation that didn't have faith had to die before the next generation could come, come up and then actually go take the land. It was a big deal. It was a very big deal. And so what it did is fear didn't just stay with the, the few spies that saw you know, horrible things and it freaked them out. It spread into the whole camp. And what it did is it eventually caused them to not even be able to fulfill their purpose. They couldn't take the promised land. Think about how that works in your own life. Think about how fear has, has just, it didn't just stay in one area of your life, but it spread into other areas. You know, if, if, we're, if we're fearful about uh, our finances, odds are is that we will very easily become fearful about other areas. We'll be fearful about sickness. We'll be fearful about death because fear is contagious. It does not just stay in one area of your life. You think the enemy just wants to affect one area of your life? I'm just going to mess with it. No. He wants to destroy you. That's what the Bible says. The enemy comes to, to do nothing but mess you up. And he uses fear. That's one of the main ways to do it. See, in America, we're very, uh, we're very independent. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not really fearful that whenever we walk out that there might be guys with guns that are trying to hurt us, right? We're pretty, we're pretty depend, uh, dependent upon ourselves, and so, so we don't have this fear in, in, in the outward realm. Uh, I mean, we watch the news, but that's way over there. It's not here. But we fear in different ways. We fear our spouse is going to cheat on us. We fear that we're going to go bankrupt. We, we, we fear that we're going to get cancer and die. We, we fear these things that we can live our whole life fearing, and none of them actually ever happen. But what did it do to us? It kept us in a box. It kept us tame. That's what culture does. That's what fear does, is it tames us to where our faith level is low, and we just exist. Whenever the Bible, I mean, Jesus talks about it, he's like, man, I want you guys to do greater things than I've done. 
I want you to do more than I've done. But then fear comes in, anxiety comes in, and, and squelches all of that. Fear's a big deal. Number three, what is the answer to overcoming fear? I think if I did the whole raise the hand thing and I said, who wants to overcome fear? Absolutely. You know, me. Well, I've said the answer a lot, so if you're really good at reasoning, you've probably already got the answer, but the answer to overcoming fear is faith. That's the answer to this, and, 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 and not a weak, cliche faith. Not a <clears throat> religious faith, and I mean religion in a negative way right now. Not a, I just say words that have no power to them. I'm talking about faith that's like way deep down inside that solidifies you and anchors you through storms and trials and situations where you never get the answer to, to, for them. You, you never get the answer. It never resolves, but your faith is steady. That's real faith. The facade of faith that we see nowadays is, is like a three-month stint in church or like a, like a two-year wee, and then the first time that somebody offends or, or something big happens, church and God is the first thing to go. That's not real faith. The type of faith that I'm talking about is a faith, it, you're so dependent on God that without him and without the assurance of him and, and without the hope that, that you find in him, your life feels meaningless. It feels empty and it feels like you, have, you don't even know where you're going. We're, we're separate from that. There's, <laughs> what's the point? And you, you, can't, you can't fake that for very long. Real faith. That real faith is what's going to overcome fear. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, we is believers, okay? And that's where, see, there's a lot of things in the word of God that can apply to non-believers and believers. There's a lot of principles that we find in the word of God that can work wherever. This is not one of those. For we walk by faith. As Christians, we walk by faith, not by sight. This is a spiritual thing that is not translatable into the world. So, so if, if, if you're an unbeliever, you have to realize this. Because, I mean, man, I have conversations with people and it's a, it's fake. It's fake. They, they quote the word of God, but there's no power in it. They quote the word of God and it's not even in context. So they say, well, I walk by faith, not by sight. It's like... In what area of your life do you actually walk in faith? There, there's, no, there's no fruit of that. Let's be honest. Let's be real. Because it's really called deception. Thinking that we're in one place and we're not is deception. Let's not be deceived. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by fox. <laughs> we walk by faith, not by the news, not by our feelings. That's why everything around us can be burning up but yet we stand calm and collected because our faith is in God, not in a politician. Can I just quickly say something about that? Let's just, let's just get off of it. I don't know where in history we think and have this imagination that some government has ever made a nation holy. I, I don't, 
I don't know where that's come from. We, what it is is we don't know history very well. Uh, it's never happened, y'all. We are Christians. Politics are separate from the church as far as actually causing people to be holy. Yes, you could put things on people. That doesn't, cause, that doesn't cause a person to be holy. It's about your faith in God, relationship with him. All right? And that's why, yeah. <clears throat> because the, the best thing that we can be is just a bunch of pointing our finger at people. And that's the best, that's the best outcome that we can have as a church if we, if we just rant and rave. Let's put our faith in God, not in a politician, man. Come on. It's pretty easy. Faith in God, faith in God's protection, faith in God's provision, and faith in God's providence. We've got to have faith in the fact that God will protect us, that he will protect us, that he will provide for us our every need. Maybe not like the fastest internet need in the world, all right? You might not have that, but he's going to provide for you. He's going to provide the main things that you need always, all right? I don't think any of us are, are really struggling in this room that much right now. He is providing for us. And also, we, we trust and we have faith in his providence, meaning that God is in control. When everything around you looks like everything is falling apart, I want you to take a step back and say, ultimately, God's in control of this thing. And whenever you do that, you take yourself out of fear and you put yourself into faith. By saying a statement like that, I'm talking about really believing it. God's got this. Now, all of this isn't a license to be foolish and not have wisdom, all right? God teaches both sides. We always teach that here. Faith and wisdom are, are very close in, in the way that we should operate in life. We should never just step out in, in faith, call it faith, and it's really just really a bad decision, all right? I got faith. God's got in control. Yeah, but nah, not, not for that one, <laughs> you know? That was just a bad choice. But, uh, but that he's in control, ultimately. He's sovereign. Look, all this stuff going on all over the world, God's in control, all right? There's nothing that we could do to stop it. Y'all believe that? Believe it? You know, I, I, that's what I believe. I believe that I'm going to pray. I'm going to do what I know I'm supposed to do and, and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes down to it, um, man, I'm trusting God. I don't know what's going to happen. Trust in God. Now, Romans 10, 17 says this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Because I know a lot of you are like, well, how can I increase my faith, man? How can I? Through the word of God. Ah, oh, <laughs> man, I want something else other than that. There's not much else other than that. Because that's how you hear God. That's how you know him. You want to know God more, you have, to, you have to read his word. You have to have some sort of intake in that. Because if not, you're left to your own, uh, your, your own ability and your own thought process. And I don't know if you guys have the same problems I have with this thing up here, but it gets weird sometimes. It gets strange. <laughs> it does, man. I mean... I mean you can call it anxiety or whatever, but you just start thinking, thinking, then all of a sudden you're like down this path, you know, and you got to have the word of God to bring you back where you need to be. But it's not just hearing the word of God, but I believe it's also meditating on the word of God. The Bible talks a lot about meditation. And, and, and nowadays when I even I say that, I'm like, meditation, what do you think of? You know, just some sort of new agey, humanistic type of thing. But you know that God created meditation. He created this thing of meditating and stewing on something and thinking about it and slowing everything else down and just really, really honing in. And um, a lot of people say, I'm really not good at meditating. I can't meditate. I can't slow down enough really just to meditate and think. Well, I want to read something to you. You say you don't know how to meditate? 
Let me ask you this. Do you know how to worry? Because worry is taking a negative emotion and thinking about it over and over and over again. And the anxiety grows and the problem becomes bigger. Meditation takes the word of God and thinks about it over and over. And the courage grows and God becomes bigger. So which thing, worry or meditation, is going to serve you better? Meditation on the word of God. We are very good at worrying, right? I mean, man, one thing happens and it's like, for the next six hours, we're just like, oh, man, all the different angles. And we do that with negative things. Man, let, let's go ahead and, and change that around. Let's begin to meditate on that which is holy and pure and good. And it's going to change what's going on here. So when I got to this point, I was like, man, how can, we, how can faith grow? How can, you know, what can I say that's really cool? And I was like, probably not much. Let me just read the word of God and let the word of God do the work. All right, now I'm going to read these things, and I want you to, to read every word you know, with me. Not, not, you don't have to repeat it or anything, but just, but just read these words and let it, let it just affect your heart and affect your life. The first scripture is about the fact that fear is not from God. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. If God has not given you a spirit of fear, then who has? Right? And so if you've got that in you and operating in your life, that's not God speaking to you. That's not God working in and through you. Recognize that. The next part is about God is more powerful than your fear. Psalm 56, 11, I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Romans 8, 31, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Isaiah 41, 10, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. I like how he says all that. It's him doing the work, all right? It's not my effort. It's, it's, it's a, man, we're, we're in this thing with God. God hears you through prayer. Psalm 34, 4, I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. How many of you today need to be freed from some of your fears? Like you need something to be broken in your life, all right? We're going to reach out to God here in a second. I prayed to the Lord. He freed me from all my fears. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, don't worry about anything. Instead of worrying, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. His peace will not more information about what you could do to fix the problem. His peace will guard you. God cares for you. Psalm 55, 22, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Matthew 10, 28, 31, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Hey, if it gets really bad, you can always say, I'm more to God than a bird. I mean, if, it, if it's that bad, at least you can, you can come down to that point, right? God knows your need. I think we just talked about this a while ago at the end of worship. God knows your need. Matthew 6, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things, check this out, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Let's not let that be said of us, that our thoughts 
and everything that we are are dominated by stuff that's temporary. That means we're, we're thinking the wrong thoughts. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. He created you, right? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. He'll do it. The Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf. John 14, 27, I am leaving with you a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I think that's that whole, think positive. You know, like, really try really hard. It's the peace that the world gives. Not that there's not an element of truth to it, but this peace that we're talking about is a supernatural peace. It doesn't make sense up here. Everything around me is horrible. There's sickness. Maybe my family's falling apart. But for whatever reason, man, I'm calm in here. I'm calm. I'm at peace. It passes our understanding. Romans 8, 26 to 28, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that, that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father knows, uh, who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Everything works together for good for those who love God and are called and are moving forward with him, okay? A couple more. Trust in God expels fear. Job 13, 15. In case you don't know what's up with Job, Job had everything, and then God allowed him to lose everything. He had it all, and he lost it all very, very quickly. This is what he ends up saying. Talk about faith. God might kill me, but I have no other hope. I'm going to argue my case with him. I like how he says that. He's kind of like, look, God can just like take me off the face of this earth, okay? Um, I am going to I'm going to say something about it. <laughs> I'm going to, hey, God, you know, but ultimately, what other hope do I have? I got nothing, nothing but God. Psalm 511, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them that all who love your name may be filled with joy. Joy, not happy clappiness, right? Joy, peace and joy in God. It's the last scripture. God is in control of everything. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Don't fear. He's going to uphold you with his righteous hand, his victorious hand. This thing of fear, like I said earlier, is powerful, it's manipulative, it affects us. I believe it's probably touched every single one of us in this room at some point or another. And I'm not saying that just because we feel a moment of fear. Oh, sin, oh no. That's out of balance. But living a lifestyle of fear really shows a lack of faith in God. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to see how Jesus handled fear. So I went to the, the moment where he was in the garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, had trouble with that word there. He's in the garden. He knows what's coming. He knows what's coming. He's been known for a long time. It's going to be physically draining, emotionally draining, but also he's going to feel something in his spirit, man, that he's never felt before, and that's separation from God. There's all these things that are happening, and Jesus 
is feeling some, some fear, some anxiety, some worry, so much so that you guys know the story. He said he was praying and, and, and blood vessels burst in his face and he began to bleed out of his, like, with his sweat. I've never been in that place before, but that is intense. Jesus is feeling some intense fear and worry. And, and you see him, he, he goes and he prays and then he comes back. And then he, then he goes and he prays some more and he comes back and, and then he prays some more. And, and then you see this moment where everything shifted in him, where he says, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And at that moment, he, he just put down everything that he had. He put down all the fear. He put down all of his worry about his physical being and all those things. He put it and he submitted it underneath the will of his father. And then it says that he got up and it, it was almost like he was ready at that moment. It, let's do this. It was like p the peace of God came in. It's not that he wasn't still a little bit anxious about what was coming. I'm sure there was some, still some, some butterflies going on, but, but there was this resolve in him. And I think that today some of you are really seeking that resolve in your heart and in your life. That you want to have real faith in God, real faith in what he is in you, not just a cliche, weak, thin faith, but a faith that's really going to see you through to eternity. Because that's, that's what this is about. This isn't just about this life right here, guys. This is about something way bigger. And the enemy wants nothing more than to keep us tame, silent, quiet, reserved, fearful, right where he wants us. Instead of living in faith, seeking God, seeking what he wants us to accomplish in this life. Come on, can we bow our heads real quick? I want to give, a, I want to give a, an opportunity to some of you in this room who are, you feel like you're just, you're not with God. You, you, while I was talking about the unbeliever, you know that that's really where you're at. You don't really, you haven't really believed in him. You haven't really trusted in him. And today you want to. You know that today is the day it's time to make a decision to follow Jesus. And this is what we're going to do is I'm just going to ask you here in a second to raise your hand. And, and we're not going to bring up to the front or anything like that. So don't worry about being embarrassed or, or anything like that. But, but there is something that, that happens whenever we admit our need for Jesus, that we ad, admit our need for, for God to come into our hearts and our lives and change us. And he births real faith in us. Some of you know that you've been living a weak life, but you really don't have that relationship, and I want to give you that opportunity right now. So if that's you, and you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus, I just want to ask you to raise your hand. One, two, yeah, all the way over here. More over here in the middle. Over here on the side, I see you. Back here in the back, right up here in the front. All over the room. That's awesome. See, right here in the middle. See, for so long that the enemy has had a lot of you in fear of, of what it would mean to take the next step in trusting God. And today that fear is being broken right now. The lie of the enemy has been exposed. And you're going to truly know God. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a prayer. And I just want you to agree with this prayer in your heart. And God's going to do something miraculous in you. God, I come before you right now. And God, I just, I throw my life at your feet. 
I tried for a long time to do what's right. And God, I feel like I've just been failing at that, God. And today, I want to lay down my faults and my failures and all my successes, everything that I am before you. And God, I need your righteousness. Would you take my effort and give me your faith? Would you raise me up, Jesus? Forgive me of my sin. I accept what you did on the cross for me, shedding your blood to pay the price for my sin. I believe in it, I trust in it. And God, I pray that you would help me to live a life that lifts you up, that glorifies you, and that pleases you. I thank you for all of this in Jesus' name, amen. And we're gonna do one more thing because there's a lot of people in this room right now that I believe that this spirit of fear over you needs to be broken. I believe that, that receiving Jesus is the, step, the first step, but I believe that fear has actually crippled many of you, paralyzed you in many areas of your life, your marriages, raising your kids. You're fearful they're going to turn out just like some other guy or like you were when you were little, and that's got you gripped in fear. Your fear about your finances, that you're going to fail at this life. You fear that you're not going to do very good at your job. You fear that you're not going to make it with God all the way to the end. You fear what's going to happen in this world. You, you see the political system. You see what's going on, and it's just got you. It's gripped you. And what happens whenever we're in fear, we're distracted from the whole point of why we're on this earth, which is the Great Commission, which is to spread Jesus, to communicate the gospel message of, of God to other people. But we can't do that when we're, we're living in fear. Actually, fear will get you to the place where you won't even step out and say anything because you're too fearful of what? They're going to reject you or make fun of you or whatever. It's still all rooted in fear and ultimately in selfishness. And so we, we do something, uh, it's called a life retreat. And at the end of the life retreat, we, at the end of every session, we do a confession. Confession is very powerful. Confession, whenever you're, you're doing it with faith, mix it with faith, you're declaring truth over your life. And that's what we're going to do today. So come on, let's stand to our feet. And the words are going to come up on the screen here in a second. And we're going to read this together. And if, if, if you're a believer and you have faith in God and you want to break the spirit of fear of your life, then whenever we do this, I want you to say this like you're praying it straight to God. You're declaring this over your life, over your family, over your finances, over everything. Okay, y'all ready? Come on, let's read this together. I am a member of the body of Christ and Satan has no power over me. For I have overcome evil with good. I am of God and have overcome Satan. For greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. I will fear no evil, for God is with me. His word and his spirit comfort me. I am far from oppression, and fear does not come near me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I will not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor fear the dangers of the day. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do to me. My righteousness is of the Lord, and whatever I do will prosper. For I am like a tree planted by the rivers of water. I am delivered from the evil of this present world. For this is God's will for me. No evil will befall me. Neither will any plague come near me, for the Lord has given his angels charge over me. They keep me in all my ways. I take the shield of faith and quench every fiery dart that the wicked one brings against me. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. 
In the name of Jesus, I am an overcomer, and I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. I am submitted to God, and the devil flees from me. The word of God is forever settled in heaven. Therefore, I will establish his word on earth. Fear, you must go now. I am made perfect in love. I am a person of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give it up. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the online information card, our lead pastor, Van DeCote, wants to send you a letter that tells you some more steps to take that'll help you maintain your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you live in one of these areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and locations. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give or simply text the amount you'd like to give to 228 228- 215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.